0: Guess what, everybody? We're doing comedy film words at four six one.
1: Yeah, a day after April Fool's, Fools Day, Graham. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> April second, we're here in the studio, hanging out. Is that,
0: that is that that crazy? Just no, it's just, really, just just really it's filming. pretty
1: normal. It's just April second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just
0: we just do it on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So like, if this if today was April one or April third, we would still do the show.
1: Yeah, but I think we'd be more excited about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right i get yeah, it yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes total sense you know,
1: it's where the moon is you yeah know, i know. You know we're halfway to 922 <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll get there it's
0: excited and Episode yeah. 922 is gonna yeah. be great
1: so i i gotta tell you we got a lot of movies to talk about and they are wide and varied today we had a full mm-hmm. slate a full slate of every... talking about dumbo mm-hmm. highwayman the wind all different genres mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and then uh our guest
1: a first-time guest
0: first-time guest who uh, directed The Wind? We're gonna get into well, the... one
1: of the three. We won't tell you which film. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's
0: just gonna describe what the shoot was like. Yeah, yeah. and then, and you, then have you have to pick. guess. Yeah. So if she doesn't mention an elephant, then yeah, maybe then you know... know it might
1: be one of the other two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Maybe Bonnie and Clyde are in Dumbo. Yeah. we don't know. You I don't know. know what's going on. Uh-uh. It's you know the magic of cinema. Who, who can tell what's gonna happen? <laughs> you know let
0: turn into what's my line
1: yeah (laughs) or is it who's my line there's a cg bonnie and clyde maybe oh wow flying away on an elephant fantastic you never know what could happen all right Um, but we've got a lot to talk about too there's um you know there's some interesting trailers that we're gonna get to as well um and some interesting dvd releases we'll like bumblebee and the mule that i want to talk about for sure and some changes to the patreon page oh, we're going to be yeah. talking we'll about a
0: couple of changes
1: so uh why don't we uh, jump right into it let's get started uh i, I saw dumbo over the weekend with well, the should family. we introduce our guest no no <laughs> <laughs> the director of dumbo ladies and gentlemen <laughs> like,
2: should i be invisible yeah or not? <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure but, uh, happy to go along yeah way.
1: <laughs> Um, ladies and gentlemen, filmmaker and director of *The Wind*, Emma Tammy.
2: Hello, so nice to be here. <laughs> um, Happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for you, you.
0: We'll get into it when we when we talk about *The Wind*. But yes, you, uh, just to give people a little back uh, story, uh, the, your movie was Soapbox Films. Um, and they work together with all things comedy mm-hmm. so the the first all things comedy studio like a year or so ago was on shared a space with soapbox and now we're like a block or so away in Burbank so it's it's why this hall came together so
2: yeah and and why you while they were there, we were editing. So there was some uh, overlap timing wise,
1: which was so cool. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're editing a movie, just seeing a
2: bunch of jackass comedians. Yep.
1: <laughs> and then somebody went, We need another bay. Get the comedians out of here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we needed some comedic uh, interludes. So this was <laughs> a, a good combination. Yeah.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, let's. What do we want to talk about first, Chris? Let's go to Dumbo. Let's go to Dumbo.
1: Now, Dumbo is the kind of movie where I saw it. Like, I'm not a big fan of Tim Burton when he's not doing original works. I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton uh, when he's doing original works. But for whatever reason, uh, whenever he does anything from Planet of the Apes to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Alice in Wonderland, he, um, direct shout I could keep going, but uh, uh, he literally just walks through these, and you could tell he's not interested. Um, and then what happens is none of the actors become interested in the film as well that he's uh, directing. It's a great um, setup. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, <laughs> this, really gets me, this really gets me excited.
1: I've never seen a CG character look bored in a movie before, but uh, I think this is kind of what happened. Um, it's the kind of it's a kind of exactly what I expected from Tim Burton for this film. I will say this at the beginning: the film is absolutely beautiful to look at. The production design, the one hundred and seventy
0: million, um, million dollar budget.
1: Well, it's the it's on the screen. Okay, I mean, you can you can literally see it. It's um, but unfortunately, that's where all the attention kind of went <laughs> was uh, how it looked, which is typical when um, Tim Burton does these remake type films. Um, This is, it was so good and so um, visually arresting that it was filmed entirely on a soundstage. And there's a couple of sweeping outside scenes that I never would have guessed. I'm like, oh, they went to the, you know, the Midwest and shot this in like a field to make it look like depression area dust bowl kind of thing. And then layered on the visual effects over it. Oh no, everything was inside. So I thought that was incredible when I read that. I'm like, that's amazing because you got that scope of this uh, of the time
0: do you think that affected why it wasn't that great because it was all green screen soundstage i mean i well, mean obviously that's sort of no
1: that really wasn't the problem like even though it was all green screen soundstage it was done in such a way and, and again not all filmmakers can do this it didn't look like it it looked like everything was being interacted with and you had these sweeping in-depth landscapes so um the problem is first of all that you have, you know, a story that we already know. Again, it's another, you know, remake of a a classic animated Disney movie. But also, you know, you have characters that are just like kind of shoehorned in, like, you know, we don't really know how to develop them and how do we service this old story? We're adding new elements. So it's always like this weird jigsaw puzzle that gets put together and it doesn't always work. Like, it works best when someone like John Favreau comes in and does the Jungle Book and pretty much, throws everything away except a couple of songs and says, well, I'm going to make my own version of this. I'm going to go back to the original source material in the books. And that really is the best recipe for success. Whereas this movie just kind of hit the beats of the animated movie, added some things, subtracted some things. And, you know, those of you that were excited to see the racist crows, they are not in the movie.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh my God. (laughs) I, am, I haven't seen it yet and I really I'm gonna yeah. go see see it this week, but I really wanted to watch the original actually before going for sure to see it. Oh. yeah, but it, there's a whole element with the kids now, right? That wasn't in the original.
1: Yeah. I mean that's one of the things that she did and the other thing that just makes it also, inauthentic is you know it's a depression area family that's you know that everyone's falling on hard times you're coming back from world war one he loses his arm um all (laughs) members of the family have fake american accents colin farrell is from ireland and the kids are from england so you know everything all everything starts out false (laughs) so like there's no american actors that could have you know Pulled this off. No? I don't know. Are there any yeah. American actors with American accents? I don't know. It's, <laughs> they're hard to find. Yeah, you know, maybe Human we should. With you. It's hard to find. Yeah,
0: it's hard to find.
1: So, but so so, and really, that's where the movie fell flat. Like I really felt like it didn't know what to do. Like even like, and I'm looking at this trivia. The original model for Dumbo was more photorealistic, but eventually scrapped for the more expressive one seen in the movie. In other words, more cartoonish, like the original cartoon. So it, it, it's this weird kind of thing. Where, all right, but then we'll make the mother elephant more realistic. So uh, it, it's some of these choices because you can't have a photorealistic elephant and have all these emotions and have it as ex- expressive as you would a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the way the characters interacted, you know, everyone did a good job. Michael Keaton... I don't know what happened and again this goes back to the directing he comes on to the screen you know he's the big you know the quote hollywood promoter but he's got this big carnival you know in coney island type thing and um you get to see him when he first comes on the scene and wants to recruit the danny vito circus and dumbo and all those things he's got these little weird affectations and this little like really weird character traits that are really interesting and charming and like endearing. You're like, all right, well, maybe Disney's going to do something a little different with the villain this time. And then once they get to his, uh, you know, his carnival, then it's just mustache twirling Disney villain. Then that's it. Like it's over. I'm like, well, what about all that character work that you did with him when he first showed up? It was like two different characters, like like all that, like that weird development there. I'm like, well, no, why can't you do something different with the villain? Or even if he is going to be, you know, the villain that you expect, why jettison the entire first half of his character?
0: Well, that's interesting. So I haven't, you know, I I would want to do the same thing, Emma, that you're talking about of watching the original Dumbo. Cause, and I felt this way when, I, when Jungle Book came out. So right. did you like, Emma, did you like the Jungle Book remake?
2: I did, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: For what reasons did you compare to the original?
2: Well, I mean, I think you're right that they kind of abandoned it for you know what the cartoon was and reinvented it, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was a great approach. But I also just thought the filmmaking was really strong and the world building was amazing. And I, I have to say, I'm really excited to see this for for the world that Tim Burton created because I think, yeah. you know, even when when we're not watching his original stuff, his trademark, you know, on any film is so so singular and amazing. So I'm I'm excited to see the world, even though it sounds like yeah, there it, are some things that that may or may not be working like the, within it.
1: The world literally got knocked out of the park, but what's in the world is what got boring. <laughs> so, but, you know, getting back so to that So visually, actual...
0: you saying visually the world was cool because that's yes. what
1: Tim Burton is yeah. so good at. But also, not only the visually was the world really interesting, there were layers upon the actual production design and the world. And that doesn't always happen. Uh, a lot of times it happens with Tim Burton films, but not always with these Disney remakes. But when we get to the carnival that uh, Michael Keaton's character creates, we look at it and we realize the um, influences are Disneyland Mm. and Metropolis together, which adds a whole nother layer of like this dystopian future that would actually, it would look like. And that doesn't really get put into play at all, but it's so interesting and it's so inventive. Like you're looking at it and going, Oh my God, this is really cool. But there's like kind of like a dark underside to it, like with technology and the future and you know, what, Man can do with all these things like there 's all these weird themes they get explored in the production design, but not in the actual movie uh, well, it
0: 's it's an interesting <laughs> thing because and i 'll touch about on it in in <clears throat> highwaymen a little bit because it 's this similar era, but it 's something that maybe Tim Burton and the the, the screenwriters didn 't understand enough is how this was not just a time in history this was a very Coming off of World War One, yes, which was a horrific war, Mm -hmm. and the Great Depression, right. So, how that sing those two things, and Mm -hmm. singularly the Depression, how much it influenced all of American culture. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. that was done, any form of of entertainment that was done back then addressed it Mm -hmm. in one way or another.
1: And the I traveling mean, totally. circus was dying, yes. whereas, you know, these big, gaudy, giant theme parks that were headed, like, this is the future, it's what it's going to be, were where people were going.
0: Yeah. And and that, how a movie like Dumbo, when it first came out, was also the, like, giving people hope and giving people escapism and fantasy because, you know, there were 20 30 million people in a country of 100 some million people at the time out of work right living in 10 cities i mean it was mm-hmm. pr- it was brutal so yeah. that's so you can't just gloss over that right. and it's it shows a lack of understanding and if you're looking at it with your 2018 2019 eyes to not truly understand why the first one was made mm-hmm. the era that it was made in right you know and what was what was the the overall tone of everybody in the country at the time to why this movie was such a hit, you know? Because it's like, well, now Flying Elephant, whatever, we've seen everything. Mm-hmm. So that's a bummer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what I that they yeah. missed that. Yeah, because yeah. it's
0: such an... It's, it, that part, it, that there's no other time in American history that mm-hmm. even comes close to what the country had, had gone through. You know, it's just sort of like glossing over post-Civil War America right?
1: or something. You know what, what's weird is like, you know... A greatest Showman actually got it more right. And it was, you know, you have a similar story. And that one, you know, both tales strive to be pretty light. I mean, no, they're not going to dig too deep into all of those issues. Mm-hmm. But they should acknowledge them. Like I said, if you're going to acknowledge it in the production design, acknowledge it in your movie. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was definitely a missed opportunity. Like, you know, they tried to shoehorn all in all these weird character things like the daughter wanted to um, be a scientist like um, Madame Curie and, uh, you know, the father was like, well, we're, we're circus men. Can't you learn an act or something? I'm like, really? Is that what he would say when your daughter wants to be a scientist? Are you sure? Is that how we would react? Um, and then that's one thing that uh, there were these interesting moments that, again, never got explored where Michael Keaton's character was the one that said to her, the daughter, never let anyone tell you what you can't do. And then, you know, which embarrassed the father, saying, well, that I wasn't saying she, she couldn't do that. And, like, these were these interesting moments that were on little islands in the film that you were just surrounded by things that didn't relate to them or, or just ended up being boring. So, uh, but I will say this. I saw it with the family, and um, they all liked it because it was still, again, uh, it was still Dumbo, it was still um, uh, nostalgic, and it was still one of those stories that was, it didn't fall flat. It just was like, eh, mediocre. But, I will say, younger kids are gonna love this movie, for sure. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. So, it's definitely one of those movies where, you know, if you have someone, a kid that's eight or younger, and absolutely love it. Like, now, my kids are older, and they still liked it, but I think the, the sweet spot watching this movie, that it's definitely like that kind of aid because it's visually so arresting. You see an elephant fly, yeah. and you see all, you know, and nothing gets too deep or too sad or depressing in the in the movie. But I, I think it was still a missed opportunity because there was a lot of, like, little subversive things that were, like I said, were in the production design. I'm like, um, like when I looked at, like, the designs and, like, um, how everything was laid out, I'm like, didn't Disney approve that? The way he was just kind of, like, <laughs> you know, making this, like, behemoth kind of theme park with all these dark undertones. And uh, I'm like, well, that would be really cool if the movie had more of that in it, not just the production design, so... So, you know, it's a, um, you know, uh, missed the mark, but little kids will like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, that's yes. what you put on the movie poster? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah.
0: Well, let me ask this real quick to mm. everybody. Starting with you, Emma, what's your favorite Tim Burton movie? Or movies? Oh, my God,
2: there's so many. I mean, Edward Scissorhands is for sure top. Um, I I mean, Beetlejuice for sure. Those are, I mean, those are the ones those that I think classics. have- Mm -hmm. you know become like ingrained in my uh film vocabulary forever Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. just you know kind of my adolescence and growing up but um (laughs) you know so much more than just as a filmmaker those were really impactful films um what about you guys
0: you know it's those those for sure i mean uh and it's it it does support what you were saying, Chris, of like his original ideas are fantastic, and right. they they mm-hmm. they're so inventive, and like you say, the world making that he does, it's wow. That is a Tim Burton world. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands. That is a Tim Burton world. Right. You know, totally. Beetlejuice. That is Tim Burton's yep. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he has to do some other things, Willy Wonka or whatever, right. it's like Willy Wonka was the one I thought because the Willy Wonka world is so kind of crazy and unique right. that it. It fit his sensibilities the most. Whereas I wouldn't if I was sitting around going if I got to make the decision over who got to direct Dumbo, I wouldn't no.
1: Burton. Or Planet of the Apes. So Right. <laughs> I,
2: I mean, these remakes are tough, man, because we're it's we're really watching them with the lens of nostalgia for the original mm-hmm. too. Um which can be like so fun to step into that and try to reinvent it. But it's also, I think you're up against a lot with audiences.
0: You really are. But I think yeah. it can be done like like we were saying, like John Favreau did for a sure. great job with Jungle Book. And I had- You s- have
1: to reinvent it. You That's have to reinvent idea. it yeah. and mm-hmm. use
0: the technology, which sounds mm-hmm. like they kind of did with this. But like-
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean,
0: Jungle Book, I have such- Nostalgia for that as a kid those those Disney cartoons those animated movies so shaped me in many ways right so like I was like boy I don't know and I went in pretty skeptical and was like wow this was a different take was it was a completely without abandoning what it was and the theme. I was of very what it skeptical was. of. It. Yeah, Especially totally.
1: when the tra- the trailers came out, I'm like, oh this looks awful. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I saw it I'm like, no, it won me over. Yeah. It was like it was I really enjoyed it. It's yeah. a
0: we've talked about it a lot yeah. on the show. It's such a tough thing. When you've got a hundred and seventy million dollar budget that a big right. chunk of it is for VFX.
1: Mm-hmm. I would love to know what the VFX budget on this movie was. Yeah. Like out of like the from a percentage wise, how much was like just you know a thousand coders in front of a computer making this movie
0: it happens mm-hmm. all the time though mm-hmm. then the story yeah. the script mm-hmm. is like in second or third position right. almost from the technology it's,
1: it's really what it felt like yeah all right so um uh all right let's uh, talk about the highwayman now this one interesting again with a lot of um netflix movies you always see it a uh a trivia point of which actors turned it down first weren't <laughs> available and then who uh, who stepped in <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah I mean it was supposed to be it was originally a collaboration between Robert Redford and Paul Newman but when Newman died in 2008 Redford left the project Um, it I was like this just popped up as I told most people on my Netflix like check this out and I was Mm like huh and
1: And by the way we're raising prices we're (laughs) (laughs) right
0: and I was like uh-huh. And, you know, we've talked about this. as a lot of the Netflix movies don't land. But mm-hmm. I, this one, I really – it it was a – the thing I liked about it, and we were talking about this before we started recording, was it shows um, – it's from the – It's here's the the backdrop. So the, Bonnie and Clyde have been on the run for right. two years, mm-hmm. and it's getting out of control. Mm-hmm. And the governor of Texas, which was a woman, I was played by Kathy Bates, says – Someone comes here and says, let's get these old. The Texas Rangers had been dismantled. Right. Um, and they're like, there's these two old Texas Rangers that are the most decorated, the actual guys. These are actual people. And and, and I, I after watching this movie, I went online and was like, I want to see. It seems to me they did a pretty good job of keeping this very... Accurate. Oh, that's great. And who was there? And who? And what happened? And how? It's basically the last. These guys were brought on the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. or months of Bonnie and Clyde's lives, Mm -hmm. and their job was like, "Look, you're old gunslingers. You go kill them. (laughs) Like we're done here. We're done. Like take them out." Mm -hmm. And it also, the movie did a real. I think it's a really good movie, and 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 Woody Harrelson and. Uh, you know Kevin Costner is one of these actors. This is not a slam, but he's Kevin Costner in every role, right? You know he doesn't like completely become somebody. It's David Duchovny. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. the same guy. You know, and Harrison Ford. Yeah, is Harrison Ford as this as that? But he's good at it, right? And and it when when you are dealing with that, it's cast well because mm-hmm. this is a guy who was a gunslinger. He's like in his late fifties. He's retired. His, this is all true. His he married a woman that had a lot of money. He's retired. He's living on a nice spread in Texas. What does he need to be a gunslinger? What does he need to go hunt down the ruthless criminals? And so they do that well, and and they sort of do. And there's some cliche in there, but it's it's probably accurate of this like. It's in my blood. I'm a law man. This is what I do. Mm. But it makes sense. That's what happened. These guys were both
1: like retired and they went. Weren't they a little uh, nervous when uh, they were retired and said, we got one last job for you? That never works out. (laughs) I'm like, they were so lucky
0: they stuck to the the truth because if this was just a fictional thing, those guys would be dead. (laughs) They would have gotten gunned down. And that crossed my mind. I was like, oh, man, these guys are. Because just following that Hollywood playbook. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll wear the badge one more time, yeah. you know. And the wife says, "Just come home safe." Oh, yeah. he's dead. He's yeah. gonna die. The next scene. Um, but they, one of the things too, they did a good job on, which I was talking about this was Dumbo of showing where we were, where the country was at at the time. Right. Hmm. And this was also, they did a good job of saying, "Hey, it's 1934. The FBI had just been formed, partially to get these." Bonnie and Clyde. So they had started doing wiretapping. This was new.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, listening to party lines. Because um, right, one of the things why Bonnie and Clyde were able to get away with this for so long was because lawmaker, like sheriffs or whatever, couldn't cross state lines or county lines. So Bonnie and Clyde did this. They'd commit a crime in whatever, Kansas, and drive across the border to wherever, Oklahoma or something like that. And so the, the law people couldn't catch them. Um, because no criminals had really thought that way up until that point. It was just like, I'm gonna hold up banks in my town.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so- As bank robbers, they were really thinking outside the box. They were, they were
0: cutting edge <laughs> bank robbers, um, but they were. And one of the things that's, that's true is Kevin Costner's character found the pattern. He mm. studied all of the stuff and- um, he was like, "Oh, they do this circular thing, and this is." They, he was like, "Oh, he commits a crime here, and then he went over here, and and he went across three or four state lines." Mm. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Because
1: the journey uh, for this film is really just about the two lawmen. Like you don't even see Bonnie and Clyde that much in the film.
0: You only see their faces at the very end. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert:
1: they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, and the Bonnie and Clyde car ends up in a museum.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But one of the main things, this was the first media sensationalized criminals. Yeah. Right? Part of it was it was the depression, and they were just robbing banks. So it was like, yeah, the banks created this depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, the banks always get a bad rap. Leave the banks. I know. Why do we need regulations yeah. to hold it's them it's back? Ridiculous. It's not like there's another you know? recession coming you know, any just day here to now. Help. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> Deregulation is good for all of us. Yeah. By all mm-hmm. of us, I mean me and my billionaire yeah. buddies. Yeah, um, and uh, let's just—we should add more fees, as many as we like. <laughs> you know. But there's a heavy tone. This is—they, this, because there was people protecting Bonnie and Clyde, mm-hmm. who knew about them and wouldn't talk to the cops because they were just like, they're
1: heroes. Now, when you say people like like associates, or just like people that witnesses, like All of they, it. were they? Oh, so there were people that worked with them too. There was associates, but then there was also just the
0: masses. They right. kind of were became celebrities that people were rooting for. Oh, wow! Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And they show that it's a big part of the movie of just like regular citizens going, you know, like did they had this? They had a blue Ford, I think, was Bonnie and Clyde's car. So mm-hmm. they go to a gas station, guy. Like, did they show up through here? They're like. No, they didn't. And if they did, I wouldn't tell you. You know, they're (laughs) doing it. Which was part of it. Not to mention they had an actual network of people covering for them, hiding for them, um, coded messages. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I found really interesting was, unlike the 1967 Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway movie, Mm -hmm. they, they show Bonnie and Clyde as like, no, they shot... They killed a lot of people, brutally. Right. And there's a scene where, you know, and they this is from the investigators came, figured this out. She shoots a guy, walks over, because there's drag marks and blood on her shoe, turns the guy over so she can look into his eyes before she blows him away. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's cold. That's yeah. cold. And so it's like, hey, these guys aren't the heroes that you think. No, And so that's really, plus they show the like sensationalized stuff like of the media hype them up. Mm. There's There's a famous photo of her holding a cigar. She smoked cigarettes. That was just, she just did that for one photo. That was one of the ways the investigators, they knew she smoked this brand and he smoked that brand. So they'd get to a crime scene and go, oh, he was standing there. She was standing there. This is before DNA. Right, right. This is just like Mm -hmm. old school bloodhound investigating. It was kind of cool to watch. Before
1: a forensics team got in and, you know, dusted everything. Mm
2: -hmm. I love that stuff because it's like Mm -hmm. stuff we could figure out. You know, just (laughs) this (laughs) layman. Yeah, that's that's how it all unfolded.
1: Well, I was reading here that also to keep it accurate, like uh, when Bonnie Parker limps away from the car at the beginning of the movie, this is historically accurate as she injured herself earlier in the car accident when Clyde drove their Ford V8 off a bridge into a dry riverbed. So it's interesting that they really had that attention to detail, like uh, on the actual uh, story.
0: You know, I did all this research after watching it and that Mm. made me like the movie even more, that they did this very accurate appraisal of how they got it done. And one of the things is they sort of start, they're a little sickened by the media and the sensationalism, you know, like, oh, they're heroes. And they're Mm -hmm. like, they gunned this guy down in cold blood. They killed a store owner. Like, they didn't just hold up the bank and Robin and Hood the money out to the people, man. They no. were they're psychopaths. And, mm-hmm. and like, that's part of it too, is they-
1: Never meet your heroes. Oh. <laughs> well, there's some other interesting
0: stuff too. So they bring this guy along to finally find him. He's the only one that can identify them because this is the, before internet drivers. Your right. driver's license was just a piece of, it was a card.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So they weren't sure, is this Clyde Barrow? you know, right. and they brought the, and this, some, some guy was like, oh, they were good idolizing them and then they come across a crime scene and this guy's with them and they show this is what, they, they both did this. And he's like, they're not your good, you know, your fun loving friends from back and wherever. They're, they're right. cold blooded, they're done. Killers, they're yeah. killed, they've, they've, they've turned the corner. And when, and they show this in the movie, when they're killed, people go crazy locks of hair, blood. They're bringing them through the town. There was a town of 2000 people in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It grew to 12,000 people in a matter of hours because wow. the word got out. And it was it was disgusting. It was ghoulish. People were like, "Oh, it, it, they wanted they they cut off a lock of her hair. Some get, guy was trying uh, to cut off his trigger finger."
1: Oh my god.
2: Oh. And you see that and you go,
1: crazy uh, flash mob that just showed up.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. This is 1934.
2: Yeah, wow, that was tapping into something dark,
0: mm-hmm. really dark. Interesting, though. Wow, it's it's a really well made movie, I thought, and it's pretty haunting.
1: And maybe Netflix got a couple uh, new uh, creative execs over in their movie department. For- I
0: think so. Well, this is the kind of a project where I mean, sometimes when you hear this person and that person left, you're like, uh oh, but. And, and the two of them do a good, and all the supporting characters are really good. And they did a nice job of casting, the, you know, the only people that are stars are people that are famous in the actual story. Right. The governor of Texas is Ma, mm-hmm. oh, I forget who, that's Kathy Bates. Right. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then they show photos of them at the end, which they do in a lot of biopics, which I always like actually. And you see the picture of the actual uh, governor of Texas And it looks like Kathy Bates. (laughs) Kathy Bates is great. There's some great scenes where she's like, you better find these guys. And then, but she's still a politician and then turns to the cameras in the next room and hey, how's everybody doing? You know, but in the behind closed doors, she's like, it's a room full of men. And she's like, get these guys (laughs) now or you're all out of jobs. (laughs) It's fucking great. So it was really, I don't know. I loved it. I love the historical accuracy of it. I love the sort of... um, Very, I mean, the the, the, I mean, they predicted like where we're at with our insane media, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: eighty years later or whatever. It's it's pretty. So
1: what I like about like a movie like that, it shows you know through historical accuracy, the potential that was always there of um, what would happen when we you know we put criminals on a pedestal and when the media gets involved and like what where it takes on a life of its own
0: it shows too that you know anybody who's like oh you know back in the good old days everything was more moral and straightforward and it's like was it?
1: yeah Just, <laughs> they were trying to cut off a guy's finger as yeah. he was being mm-hmm. brought through yeah, town yeah the guy
0: wanted his finger as a yeah. souvenir how horrifying is that yeah. and he wasn't going to sell it on ebay like no what, uh,
1: he was going to put it in a jar and keep it until he died yeah <laughs> wear it around his neck like a yeah. <laughs> sorcerer
0: um so yeah, I, 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 it's a it's a it's a good Netflix movie to watch. All
1: right, check it out. All right, let's talk about the wind now. Emma, um, am I, would I be accurate in describing the wind as a um, nihilistic demon western?
2: Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Sold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the film. Um, what was your inspiration for it, and uh, basically the the basic setup so, so for the people who haven't seen it yet.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, the basic premise is there's a woman who's left alone on the homestead in the late 1800s um, and she begins to battle inner demons and some environmental demons and kind of, it's a descent into uh, madness. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's a really small cast. It's all of five people and the, the, the real Hook is our leading lady, Caitlin Girard. Um, she does a great
0: job, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. She does a great job.
2: supremely talented. Um, she she carries the whole film. And, you know, it's really, we're really in her POV for the whole time. So right. um, as she kind of starts questioning things, we're, we're beginning to question things as audience as well. And it doesn't have a historical accuracy like uh, Highwaymen, but we... Teresa Sutherland, the writer of the script, she was inspired by these actual accounts of women at that time who were "quote unquote" losing their mind because of the incessant wind. Um, oh, interesting! The really? wind, yeah. And this how is would they lose their mind? Well, I mean, the wind was kind of a metaphor, or or not a metaphor, but it was it was coinciding with like crazy isolation, um, oh. really intense, you know, harsh living. Um, mm-hmm. But practices of just like everyday survival around that time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was really easy to blame melancholia and depression and other, you know, mental uh illness on on these environmental factors and one of those environmental factors was was really incessant wind on the on the plains mm-hmm. um which is where our story is set and we shot in New Mexico and I have it to say looks just great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's a really fun Western. It, it literally
1: like, looks like you're in the middle of nowhere. And we kind of so. were. Yeah. yeah. We were
2: about 30 minutes outside of Santa Fe. But mm.
1: um, Now, did you do any of the interiors on a soundstage, or was everything just practical? Everything
2: were- was on location in, in, in the cabins that we... Wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, I think that we were able to experience that incessant wind being out in those locations as well mm-hmm. and really got a sense of why it could also drive people to, a, you know, the brink of insanity because it is nonstop. Um, and we brought wind machines out there and we barely turned it on, oh, um, yeah. turned any of them on. So it was, you know. That was our biggest waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that the,
0: and the thing that I, I really liked about it was you did a great sense of visually and with the sound mix because the wind is a character in it. Definitely, that you really just is really just this. It's just sound. I mean, like you have things move as a result of the wind, but it was the I felt very haunted and alone and isolated I mean I feel like that on a daily basis but, uh, but, just
2: tapping into I mean, how we all just, feel anyway but.
0: but no you did a really good job of, of I was like wow you really and then I won't get in any spoilers but like is this in her mind, or is this really happening? Like, there's a lot of that, right. which is a great, which is great thriller. And it goes thriller. back and forth because yeah.
1: uh, there's a red herring here and there. Like, well, wait, is this or is this? Well, it's in her. Oh no, wait, no, because well, it goes back and forth and it keeps you guessing till the end. Which I is mean, great. the opening, oh god, the opening's the, brutal. The yeah, opening. Mm-hmm. I was like,
0: all right, okay, we're, let we're me, into it. We're into it. Like, <laughs> I was like, let's buckle up into this. And but it was a really, and I think it was, it was how i always like was like oh i see how you you found the, like we, we talk about this a lot with science fiction but also with like this is a I a whatever thriller or horror or whatever you'd that are rooted in the reality like you said your screenwriter just living on the prairie would be fucking terrifying yeah man. it would
2: be enough and you read some of these narratives and i did and so did the cast and so did our you know department heads on on the film um just because we all picked up on different details and were informed you know by our choices um by reading these actual accounts, but it's like this was enough, like we didn't even need to take it into a supernatural or you know heightened horror space, and we did, and that was really fun. <laughs> I think that's like you know what at you know, at times make it makes it brighter than just a bleak story of survival mm-hmm. and and there is a bleakness to the whole thing, of course, but um but it was horrific it was really horrific and it, the horror like just lied in the every day mm-hmm.
0: well that was the thing too because there, there's like she's like you know there's a, at night and she's like don't look outside there's demons out there and i was like you're looking at pitch black right <laughs> if yeah. there's no moon out you don't see it be anything it could be there's
1: wolves could be anything anything <laughs> any
0: rustling would i'd go fucking bananas yeah. it yeah. could be Anybody coming to get you, any animal. And you know,
1: your husband's not going to be back for what, two days at the earliest? Because that's the closest town on horseback is a couple days away. So
0: you're just out Mm -hmm. all alone for two days. Mm -hmm. I mean, longer, yeah. uh, You just lock, I mean, you just got to sleep with a shotgun and just like pray for the best. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Now, I will ask this is uh, because as we're watching the movie, you do a lot of time jumps yeah. like in between. And also sometimes it seemed like some perspective jumps like, uh, well, wait, who, who's pregnant now? Or what, what part are we on in the movie? And I was wondering, like, as you were in the edit room, like, were there times when you went, okay, this is the timeline I want to show. This is the flashback. This is um, present. Uh, Where you went, you know what, let's move this around because we don't we want to tease the audience But we want to outright confuse them like is there was there that line that you kind of figured out on how far to go on uh, Time jumps and and or and pulled back a little bit. Maybe
2: definitely we never wanted this to be confusing to a point of distraction You know, Mm -hmm. I think what we were trying to do with some of our choices was um let the audience take a minute to figure out exactly where they were or what in what timeline we were in Mm -hmm. but we didn't want to lose them at any point so it was just walking a fine line um, you know we had to pivot a little bit from what the order of the script was in post in order to find those moments Mm -hmm. and each flashback is really interacting with what's going on with Lizzie's present-day timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the trick was just making sure that the emotional arcs were tracking properly because I felt mm-hmm. like if we were on that ride with the characters, some of the logic would fall to the wayside and we'd be on the ride.
1: And is it, did you, um, like, how long was the shoot? Like, you know, you had five actors out there and you grow, you were all in a very open space with not a lot around. Yeah. And uh, like, um, like how, how long were you out there?
2: It was about a month. Oh, wow. Okay. But we were all staying in Santa Fe. So okay. you know, we'd, we'd be out <laughs> in the middle of the nowhere. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. We'd at least have like little respites in between, mm-hmm. uh, in between shooting where people could get their chai lattes or whatnot <laughs> and uh, <laughs> touch base with their modern day uh, electronics. Our cell phones didn't work out in those locations. So right. it was really um, this wonderful. That must mm-hmm. have helped. Detachment. Oh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, You know, a lot of really established, fabulous filmmakers, I think, are able to have sets where they, you know...
1: They bring their own cell tower?
2: Yeah. Or (laughs) No, no, no. Or basically say, like, no one, you know, can use their cell phones on this set. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, with a small independent film, that was never going to be something that we were going to be able to say to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that it was like such a blessing in disguise, except for our producers who were dying because they couldn't check their email (laughs) and that's a nightmare. But you know, for everyone else, like we were all so present, you Mm -hmm. know, and we, and for the cast, I think it was just another level of feeling like a little bit more transported to that time and place. Mm -hmm. And So
0: how did this compare to other projects that you've directed and like- And produced. And produced, and Mm -hmm. what did you learn from this? or, Or was there, this is sort of a general, like five point question, but like I, for me, like I'm I'm I'm, di- I'm directing. And something. Where did you go to high school? <laughs> I'm thinking of like all of the other projects helped prepare me for this thing, and um and which informs me more as a as a as a director in terms of this specific project versus the other things that I've done. Because obviously, you're yeah. not like oh, I've done a bunch of Prairie,
2: uh, isolated, (laughs) homestead That's your genre. (laughs) Totally true. Uh, I had not done one of those before. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my background was really coming from documentary filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think this was so different um, because it was a narrative feature. And for me, the pre-production period was, you know a very different process obviously than prepping to do a doc because you're really envisioning the whole film before you get out there and start shooting. Um, and you're making creative decisions every day with the whole, you know, team of creatives behind the film. And that's so exciting because you get the opportunity to reference all your favorite films or all the films that you feel like are going to influence this one and paintings and music and, you know, a million different other influences. And it's really such a collaborative, amazing time. Um, with documentaries you're really finding the story as you go and as you're rolling and then all over again in post normally. So um, that pre-production period I think was like the main learning curve for me, but it was Mm -hmm. also like the most fun ever. Um, Because you have all these highly skilled people with all these department heads and you're all
0: having this amazing collaboration on getting your vision
2: done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then in post you're trying to figure out how to make work what you just shot You know, and on set, you're obviously every day is like a sprint, but it's also the the whole process is a marathon as well. So I think you're out there constantly um, just trying to troubleshoot problems that come up, but also make sure that the vision that you guys have all, you know, been collaborating on before you got to set Mm -hmm. is actually being executed. And then for me, it was like really also about letting all of that Rest and just focus on the actors and get the performances out that we needed to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like rolling on rehearsal. We didn't have a rehearsal period, so um, really making the time and space to make sure that the actors were were getting what they needed for each scene
1: was, was well, a huge a, part. It's a unique project when you've got you know actors. If you have a period piece, you want them to feel the isolation in the cabin and outside on the prairie. That's hard to do in a table read. I mean, you really had to rehearse out there. Totally,
2: totally. And, um, you know, we actually did a table read in L.A. before we left for New Mexico. And it was something that I called at the last minute. I was like, can we just get everyone together and do this? And um, I think it's going to be huge just to see everyone together for the first time and, you know, hear it once out loud. And it was the worst table read ever, <laughs> which i'm now convinced is like actually good luck of, you know once you have a great i've been to great table reads that haven't turned out to be great projects and you know so it can work either way obviously <laughs> but um but it's because there was so little dialogue in mm. this you know in this film so the table read was like a monologue of Stage direction. Yeah, it's just <laughs> boring. It Somebody was super boring, <laughs> and like, you know, it was hard. It was a hard read. Um So. Because so much um, of
0: the emotion you conveyed was like through slow zoom camera and the facial expression and music or sound.
1: And isolation. And one, isolation. Um, one actor. And Just isolation. staring, yeah.
0: isolated, looking crazy. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that doesn't come across in a read. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So
2: <laughs> midway through, I was, like or not even midway through, about five minutes in, I was like, terrible idea. This was the worst idea ever. These actors aren't going to have any confidence in what this film's going to be anymore. Blah, blah, blah. But it was actually, it was actually so great because it was helpful. Helpful to see them all together and just see the, how the chemistry of mm-hmm. of them just as people sitting in a room felt. Um, I think it really helped inform me going going out to New Mexico with that in mind. And then we also just like talking and stuff found things um, like I think Caitlin. That's
0: the, that's the key. Of the uh, I, I, that's the key of the of the table read. I imagine is just getting the chemistry together, not necessarily yeah. the diet. But anyway, you were going to say
2: totally. Oh no, I was just going to say Caitlin who who plays. Uh, our our lead uh, Lizzie, she mentioned that her mom's side of the family was from Germany and that she was fluent in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teresa, the the writer and I had talked about you know maybe incorporating a backstory for that character um, to have come from another country. So in that moment, we were able to start talking about whether or not we could incorporate a little bit of German and that back- immigrant backstory into her character, and that would have you know wouldn't have necessarily happened if we hadn't all gotten together and started shooting mm-hmm. the shit so
1: now i had another technical helpful. technical question for you like uh there are some animals in the movie like did mm-hmm. you actually have animal wranglers or we were, all, were all those like there was there any visual effects that overlaid on the animals or anything like that both okay, okay.
2: so mm-hmm. spoiler alert <laughs> alert not all the animals make it
1: <laughs> uh
2: or do they uh but uh, some some are uh Enhanced by VFX because mm-hmm. um, it's seamless.
1: Like I, the reason uh, I'm asking is because I thanks. couldn't tell. Thanks.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's a except
1: when the wolves started talking. Then right. right. That was a, <laughs>
2: that was a bit of a giveaway. But yeah, there there are wolves, and those were real wolves mm-hmm. handled by wranglers. Um, and now that
1: the wolves thinking, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We could probably <laughs> eat this entire crew, and nobody Who's would know. Stop us? Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, I wish you guys, we were trying to shoot this like ferocious wolf scene and Mm -hmm. these wolves were sweet as could be (laughs) licking our actors faces in between takes. I was like, where's the ferocity? Um, But but we got there eventually. Uh, And then we also had a couple like we had one puppet um, Mm -hmm. for for the wolf scene. Okay. Um, But yeah, it was it was it was so fun to have actual animals on set. I mean, they're real wild cars. Like, that goat was a diva.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Goats are the worst. (laughs) Caitlin,
2: like, kept delivering on her performance. It didn't matter because the goat was on her own timeline. (laughs) So, you know. Well, so where can people see this? So it's coming out this weekend, April Mm -hmm. 5th. Um, and it's in about 30, a little over 30 screens across the country. So you can check out the listings on thewindifc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also simultaneously coming out on video rental. So you can check it out on iTunes or Amazon Prime, all that good stuff. Awesome. And also
1: in cable VOD, too? Yeah, in cable okay, VOD. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So uh, check it out. Uh, the Wind. All right. Well, Graham, we've got some uh, Patreon sponsors I love it. for April. You know, everyone uh, rolled over. We only lost one. Good. So, they um, just got eaten by a wolf. Yeah. It's, uh, um, you know, I'm, we're always grateful when you guys uh, continue the Patreon supportage. Um, even, supportage? Is that even a word?
0: Uh, I love it, though. <laughs> I want to keep supportaging us.
1: <laughs> um, especially in this ad tier, we, we really appreciate it. It helps keep us going. Uh, and we will read your name and your URL. For your business or just something personal. Mm -hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, from Will Leonard, his wife, Katie Bagwell, is once again riding the MS 150, a fundraising ride that's helping fuel progress toward a world free of MS. And she's going to ride from Houston to Austin at the end of April. The money raised will help fund amazing progress in MS research and uh, will help fund programs and services for people affected by MS. You can reach her donation page at WillTheTD, dot com slash CFN. Help her achieve her goal. Johnny Rulon is back with his novel Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's available on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the news calliope and immortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is dot com. And Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check them out. For your comic and movie news and uh, awesome interviews with industry insiders and artists. Fanboyplanet.com. Fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death. One cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeoversuicide.com. That's coffeeoversuicide.com. and Alice Frazier, co-host of The Bugle Podcast. And host of Tea with Alice brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival in April uh, 2018 with a binaural microphone. Check it out, alicefraser.com, alicefraser.com with an S. And last but not least, Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. We move past hesitation. We're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life you want to hear some fun stories and get inspired, check out The Art. Facebook.com slash The Art Podcasts. All right.
0: Here you go, guys. Go to Patreon.com slash Comedy Film Nerds. And a great way to support the show. Get some bonus content. Get your ad read thing. You know, be supportagers.
1: Yes, please be supportagers. (laughs) Be be (laughs) dowager supportagers. (laughs) Really?
0: We love all your supportaging. Thank you so much for uh, listening to our show on the internets. Um, let's watch some trailers. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. This is about, Matthew uh,
2: McConaughey, The Beach Bum. Yeah, I, you I'm know, I... am obsessed with this trailer.
1: I, <laughs> sorry. I, <laughs> so good. I thought it was a... Uh, when I first saw the title, I'm like, well, maybe this is an SNL skit that they're, you no. know, putting up. I'm like, no, it's a real trailer. no, no,
0: no, no friend. Here we go. Here let's we check go. it out.
1: Matthew McConaughey. All right, here we go. Pervasive drug and alcohol use, language Whoa. throughout, nudity, right. some strong sexual content.
2: What? I was there, give
1: me we ran out of room in that box. A bit of poetic
2: foreplay. One day I will swallow up the world.
1: <laughs> okay. Supervillain beach
2: boat?
1: The moon dog, moon Moondog.
0: Man,
1: moon you look like shit. I look like I always look. <laughs> you have pissed away your talent on women and booze, and now you're
0: talking. That's what feeds the juices up here in my nugget, man.
1: Okay, I still don't know I what get this movie's these about. Going. They start to hear music. The world's
0: reverberating back and forth, and I hit the frequencies
1: start to dance to it Matthew McConaughey food. got a free vacation at the beach so an and the
0: fucking
1: words come out I'm, I'm at a loss on this trailer <laughs> it all stops now the foolishness you gotta publish your novel
2: and if you mess this up it's jail time
1: uh, wish me luck, I'm off to write and... the next great American novel I may have a gang bang when I get back I will invite your mother Thank you, Mr. Moondog
2: I'm trying to uncover my connection with the world Just
1: follow me, my friend <laughs> Let's go, man Is he good pilot? Mom, man, he got glaucoma in both his eyes
2: It's perfect <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it when a plan comes together. Let's hit it, baby. Goddamn! Yeah. was acting like a little fuck boy for oh, a minute. Yeah. You wanna shoot something? Shoot this shit
2: here. Okay. Now I gotta feed my coke addicted parrot. Yeah, yeah. Set him up. <laughs> oh
1: God. Okay. I think we've seen enough. Have we not? Do it again. Do it again. I. I feel like a. Um, This is something that he wrote when he was 15, and he said, someday, I'm going to have the money to make this.
0: I don't know. (laughs) I think there's... A sincerity and a darkness and a pathos to this movie that is not in that trailer that we're going to be that we're going to see. Emma, why is this I'm, your favorite trailer? I'm so
2: in. I'm, I'm just like I'm on the ride. I'm on the ride. Um, it feels like I really loved Spring Breakers, and I feel like this is like next level. And and like Matthew McConaughey, like this might be his uh, masterpiece. <laughs>
1: I, 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 I feel
2: like he might be bored to have played this role. I, he's so talented, but that, but I'm in.
0: I, that's what I'm thinking because because Matthew McConaughey has proven himself to be a fantastic actor. I think he's taking mm. these roles that he was given early in his career, like obviously um, – that one, cla- I'm blanking on the, th- the, 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 the his breakout role, where he played the party guy in the 70s. What was that movie? I'm blanking on it. Where Days he- and Confused. Da- Days and Confused, right? And he did that movie, The Surfer Dude. <laughs> Not a good movie at all, because <laughs> uh, he is a surfer. That was back when he was living, mm-hmm. before he got married, and he was just living in a trailer on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like...
1: In real life, we're in the movie.
0: In real life, yeah, yeah. In real life, he was living in it, and it he, you know. Then he met his supermodel wife, and she's like, "We're gonna move to a better yeah. house." <laughs> but he's like, "Hey, man, it's great." This combined with the the sheer madness it's of great, the, but
1: I want a doorbell.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to wear flip flops
1: every day. Right.
0: But you take all of that with the insanity of the Lincoln commercials,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you put them together. I think this movie is gonna have some like. I want to know what this novel is that he has to finish because of the judge said it. I want to well, see it.
1: Uh, I don't know what trailer you guys saw. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I am um, um, less interested and hopeful about this movie. All right. <laughs> but uh, let's, you know, now Now we have to go see it to see what happens. <laughs> well,
0: it's like Emma and I are going to be at yeah. midnight screening of this yeah. when, it, when it pops mm-hmm. off. All right, now this is Deadwood.
1: Yes, now I, this is, I, I watched this one already. Deadwood let, the movie. Deadwood the movie, yes.
2: It's an HBO series. Mm-hmm.
1: That was, has been off the air for a fairly long amount of time.
2: Is now... But one of the best of all time.
1: Yes. Fair to say? It is so. a great series, yeah. for sure. I never watched it.
2: Oh my oh, God, you're yeah. it for such a treat. You gotta start from the yeah. beginning. All right. It's worth it. So right. good.
1: I think you especially would like it because it kind of hits all the things that you like it's good drama it's period it's western and it's uh, good characters too. okay
0: after the wire I just left <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the wire with stagecoaches okay <laughs> okay I get it this town is a sanctuary every man worth the name knows the value of being unreachable
2: It'd be a pity not to
1: recognize what's it to do. So it looks like the entire cast has come back. You have to. A yeah.
0: yeah. The the TV series becomes a movie.
1: Mm-hmm. You ever think Bullock would not going straight at <laughs> a thing? No. And that's the heart of the movie: to those two characters. Yeah, like uh, just it looks each other. just like the show. So it does, and uh, and it's there. Like you know, the the proprietor of the saloon and the lawless town, and then the one guy who decides to become sheriff. It's them always butting heads, but also respecting each other. I know it sounds like a cliche when I'm saying it, but it's really good and really interesting. Now, this is the kind of movie that I really feel like HBO, The Accountants, went and went. Okay. We had fans of the show, a certain percentage of these are going to see the movie, uh, use the entourage formula, where it's these amount of people are going to see it, and you're going to get very li- few uh, people that haven't watched the show that are going to go see this movie. Mm. So I felt like HBO kind of put all that into consideration. And they made the movie, uh, basically they made the Deadwood movie for the Deadwood fans the way they made the entourage movie for the entourage fans. Okay. So, but it's, you know, I- I'm in because i watched the show, so yeah, I'm not going to miss it. All right. So I guess right. I got
0: to go back and get up to speed on the series. Yeah, and then I got to go watch this.
1: Yeah, for sure. It'll. I, I think you'd be lost if you just jumped in on the movie. All right. Um, and DVD and Blu-ray, Bumblebee. Uh, again, I I liked this movie. Uh, again, and I've been a huge Transformers naysayer, with the exception of the animated movie. So let me see 80s. if I got this right. Mm-hmm.
0: We should see Bumblebee, but Beach Bum. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, and, uh, you know, that's what a difference an actual director um, making an actual movie can make. I mean, this was kind of like a Girl Power Iron Giant that went, you know, all those other Transformers movies. Don't worry about those. We're going to actually start from the Okay. So um, the next movie is uh, The Mule. Is a movie that I missed. I really wanted to see. It was the uh, Clint Eastwood movie. I didn't see this. Did you see this, Emma?
2: No. And I was just talking to someone about it last night, actually, who had just Mm -hmm. watched it. Did they like it?
1: What did they say? We'll get a third-hand um, review. <laughs> a third-hand <laughs> review, yeah.
2: I think um, there were things to enjoy about it while it ultimately didn't work for them. Hmm. That's the I've heard that from so many people.
0: Because it's like we all looked at the trailer and went, oh, okay, Oscar, Bae, this is going to be. But everyone kind of said, well, you'd missed the mark. Right. It wasn't as powerful as you thought it was going to mm-hmm.
1: be. All yeah. right. And next movie is Vice. Um you know we talked about this before. none of us really loved this movie it wasn't a, you know, um, you know, and we're all Adam McKay fans for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think the the big short was just a much more interesting and better, well, more crafted movie. Yeah. so um,
2: I, I totally agree. I, but I do feel like it's one that's worth watching. Like he took big swings on this one, you know, mm-hmm. and I think some of those big swings didn't work. but was interesting to like just as a filmmaker he's he's so interesting to watch even mm-hmm. again when that's
0: a valid point when yeah. a good filmmaker we talk about this a lot when a good filmmaker makes a big swing and fails it's still interesting to watch
2: yeah i appreciated it but mm-hmm. i agree with you for me it mm-hmm. was you know
1: so all right and the uh site spotlight the uh we wanted to mention too you can check out the message boards those are working again um, the Patreon tiers, we've cleaned them up. We've gotten rid of the dollar tier. A lot of you have moved over to the $2 tiers. There might be a couple of you still stuck at one, or but go, please go to two. And also, we want to get rid of the poster tier, too, so we've created a loot crate tier. This one's really cool. It's $25 a month, but after two months, we'll send you a, uh, basically, a Comedy Film Nerds loot crate worth of $100 worth of stuff. Anything we have in the garage, everything from um, the books to DVDs, to um cds and also weird stuff we've just collected from swag like i think we have some um, star wars chopsticks in there like we'll throw those things in the, there too we'll get merchandise and weird stuff from the garage i think we have some you know jackie chan comics and like some weird stuff but check that out for sure it's 25 dollars a month and the uh, patreon tier the loot crate tier and uh, premiering this week we have shazam which, uh, you know, my, my family's excited to see. we have got two kids, 14 and 10. They're excited. But the 14-year-old also wants to see Pet Cemetery, So I <laughs> might be going to the movies twice this weekend. Wow. Um, so Shazam That's, is out. It, I mean, it looks fun. It looks like, you know, yeah. now, that, now that it's, uh, you know, they've finally gotten as far away from Zack Snyder as possible. You know, the DC movies are, look like they're actually fun again.
0: David O. Sandberg, who's been on the show, yes. directed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Checked it out. Pet Cemetery. Watch the original. Yeah, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> so, uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I think this is going to be like. Um, I, I can't wait to see it because I, I would really watch think. I the
0: original just to hear Fred Gwynn go, "Christ on his throne, no." Oh my That's god! The...
1: Yeah, or just put that on a loop. You this know, that should be your ringtone. Really should be.
0: Christ on his um, throne, no.
1: I can't wait to see Pet Symmetry because I i can't wait to see um because I can I can hear the producer's notes. We've got to get this into production fast and make it like um it and Stranger yeah. Things immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. That is our That's show. That's our
0: show, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma, once again, where can people see the movie? Uh
2: in in theaters starting this weekend, April fifth. So if you're in LA or New York for sure, but it's in country you know, theaters across the country right now and and uh, VOD. So cable on-demand rentals or Amazon Prime or iTunes.
0: Check it out, fun. Check watch it, it, out. it at night with all your lights off, and get get afraid of the wind. Yes, <laughs> especially if you live out in the wild, you got to watch this right,
1: movie. Right. And if you if you live on a prairie, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Apologies in advance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, this April fifth, I'm doing a fundraiser in uh, Chandler, in Phoenix area, the Chandler area of Phoenix. Um, if you go to Bird City Comedy on the prairie, on the prairie <laughs> yes, I'm talking to Phoenix <laughs> Demons. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser for uh, some scholarships for some high schools out there. Oh, that's April 5th and then Progressive Comedy Tour April 12th through 15 um, go to com, and of course you know watch, watch our movie Earbuds.
1: Yeah please do you can check it out uh, that is streaming on uh, um, uh, Amazon Prime as well as many different places you could go to Earbuds the website and it'll show you where all the movie is and also the new episode of Conversations from the Abyss has dropped starting Janet Varney and Annie Savage from Thrilling Adventure Hour about a An indecisive woman who all of a sudden finds a necklace that makes all her decisions for her. Nice. (laughs) So check it out at uh, Conversations from the Abyss.
0: That's our show.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Emma Emma, Tammy, for being our guest and telling us about your movie, The Wind. Thank you to everybody here at All Things Comedy. My name is Graham Elwood.
1: And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot first. first.